confused. Let uh-huh. me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Uh, do you understand that this show's got an actual sponsor? Who's the sponsor? Manscaped. Manscaped. What do they do? Okay, check this out, man. Let me ask you. You you got a lot of hair. You ever shave your balls? I ain't fucking with it, man. No, you, no, you don't no, shave no, your balls. No, no, no. You the never only shave time your balls. I shaved my balls is when I was tweaking off a of meth. Yeah, and what did right. you use to shave your balls when you were tweaking off? I fucking got that razor that they sell at the corner liquor store for twenty five cents. Right. You ever and nick then, a wrinkle? You ever nick a wrinkle? A what? A wrinkle, a ball wrinkle. You ever cut a ball I don't wrinkle? Know what the fuck that is. Oh, You've I never know, cut your shave. balls. I just shaved a little bit around the base, so I, you know, so I could feel as though that maybe, you know, it would give me an inch or two, you know. Because when you on meth, you pulling, <laughs> you shaking and pulling, and yeah, you got the girl in the room, but at, at the same time, yeah, get the get Schmitty. 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 Close that door behind you, partner. I gotta get out uh, there. All right, all right. right. So, so, okay. So, listen. So, 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 hey, wait. Okay. So the support for the Hard Luck Show is brought to you by Manscaped, right, who is the that? best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers a precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Now, right. this is breaking news. Important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your... What, what is, is that public or pubic? It looks like pubic. It looks like yeah. public to me. Okay, I'm going to say public, yeah, but it looked yeah, like but, pubic. But we can make it pubic. That's right. Service announcement. After more than 18 uh-huh. months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. Smitty, you ever shave your balls? Uh, yeah, with electric. Yeah? Do you ever catch a wrinkle? Uh, you know... One time, I think I did, because it goes cut down there, but I didn't feel it. You didn't feel it. Well, let me tell you. Guess what? Yeah. All that manscaping, you know, all those those accidents. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Manscapes Engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest ball trimmer ever created. Right. I'm talking about this is the third generation generation trimmer. Right. Features a cutting edge ceramic blade, preventing manscaped accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to the Manscaped Advanced Skin Safe technology. Right. So check it out. So so what happened to you, uh, Smitty, where you, you nicked a wrinkle? Right? You cut <laughs> a wrinkle? I think I might have been a little bit high that night, though, when I was doing <laughs> so, so, <laughs> Thanks to manscaping, all those manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the the past. Bro. That's right, man. So you can get high if you want and fucking shave your balls, <laughs> all right? So listen, here's the other thing. Smitty ain't getting high because if he gets high, I'm going to kick his ass That's off. right. You know what? You might kick his ass, Big Lep, but he's going to have the smoothest, no, safest balls. He's going to He's going to have the smoothest, safest balls oh. this side of the Mississippi. Well. And let me tell you something. You get 20% off our audience because our audience is the best audience in the entire world. Let me tell you something about our audience. Our audience is the most loyal, most manly, most... Uh, intelligent, strongest audience that there is, and they're all going to get 20% off and free shipping. Go to Manscaped. The uh, code, promo code is LUCKY20. LUCKY20. That's it. LUCKY20 at Manscaped. Right. So, uh, because of Smitty got his balls sheared, (laughs) that's why Manscaped's redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting it. It's the third generation. Manscaping accident. Thing of the past. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. So even if you're tweaking and you want to take it apart, put it back together, you'll still have enough electricity to continue Damn, to shave your balls. Really? Hey, and listen, man. Jeez. One of the coolest features <laughs> on the Manscaped tool is the LED light. 
illuminating. Oh, they can do that shit in the dark. Areas, bro, for a close more. And you could use that LED light to look for rocks that might have fallen in the carpet, right? Yeah, so you want to do some low lighting by candlelight with your girl and do it together? Listen, they've also upgraded to 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke. Trademark, quiet stroke technology. Quiet stroke so you don't have a stroke during your long stroke. Exactly. <laughs> and let's not forget the charging stand. My God. Right? This stand <laughs> is the most. Let's that. not forget about that. Let's not forget about that. Yeah. Show you your. You got a picture of this contraption. It's, yeah. It's online. Here. All right. Well, you can't. Manscaped. So go to man, manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. All right. 20% off free shipping with the code lucky20 at manscaped.com. Again, right? that's lucky20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping for all you cheap ass motherfuckers. Yeah. Now, come on. Lucky20, Manscaped, supporting the show. Support Manscaped because Manscaped supports the show. Make and a good your balls it. will thank you. Oh, my God. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Lucky. That's right, women and children. Yeah. Men. Yeah. Young men. Yeah. Welcome to the greatest show on earth. That's right. It's a hard luck show coming at you live from Southern California at the virus bunker. Yeah, still in the bunker. You heard that voice right there sitting across from me. Is Chumahan Bowen American Barbarian, elegant barbarian, Southern Californian. American Indian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it only took you 60 some odd shows to fumble that, huh? Yeah, listen, you know. Look at good man. That's all right. They I'm not panicking. worried about it. They ain't nobody panicking. Not here. Come on. Come on. Yeah. 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 Man, do you know what? What? That is the pump up jam. It is. It is a pump up jam. It gets you fucking rolling. It's important too because um, the title of this show is "How to Stay in Beast Mode During Lockdown." <gasps> That's the title of this fucking show. If you got any beast questions, mode. If you got any goddamn questions about what the title <clears throat> of this show is, shift it into other gear, Mister Chuck Driver, who's listening to this, Mister Mrs. Earbuds, Mister Mrs. Headphones, Captain Bluetooth, all. Oh! You motherfucker. How do you stay motivated? Right? Yeah. Stay motivated and keep it moving. Where's your grind at? Don't tell me that a little tiny microscopic virus is going to stop you from your grind, man. Stop you from your dreams, yo. Serious. Serious. This is the time. I mean, well, let, let me just let me just ask you straight up, Steve. How is this? All right, in a real way, no fucking bullshit. Okay. How has this impacted your like? What's changed? Before we get into how to stay in beast mode, tell us like what it was like before, and then all of a sudden where you're at, like what you have, how it's different now in terms of 
what you were normally doing or where you were going or who you were hanging with? Like, how did it work out? Was there any change? Well, absolutely there was change, but the change was the, I don't know the right word, but um, the surroundings. What do you mean? The surroundings, the, uh, the um, maybe the, Maybe some of the elements are outside of myself changed. The perimeters changed. Maybe that's a better word. Okay, so check it out. Okay, so just we know, right, just to keep it simple, we know that you can't go to Gold's Gym, right? Can't go to Gold's Gym. Go ahead. You know, a lot of the people that I see on a regular basis that I interact with, that I work with. Yeah. Can't see those people. None of that's happened. Right. Anonymous program I'm part of. Those meetings came to an end. There's no more getting right. Um, and then business wise, there's some production things that are a little bit slowed down. Right. Um, we've changed our format here at the Hard Luck Show. Right. At one point, we were at the Mayfair. Yep. Right. Every Saturday recording, we had. Like five, ten people showing up to do recordings and hang out and do yep. whatever the fuck it is that we do. Talk to all the bartenders, the waitresses, the da 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 da. Yes, all of that is gone at the silk screen shop, right? With designers, cut right. houses, sewing houses, right? Dealing with you know, uh, you know, at marketers, the hundreds, and walking into the hundreds, going to Enzo's for business meetings, going places. Yeah, we're also going and showing up at people taking our podcast on the road right. to people. And that's absolutely stopped. Absolutely. Right. And you and I made a commitment, like as we were rolling, and, and Blue Eyes too, but Blue Eyes from a distance in the sense that he's editing the show. But there was a commitment made where we were like, no, not like we're not going to stop. We're going to be responsible, so we're not trying to say, okay, no, we're not going to do social distancing. No, we're not going to fucking wash our hands on. We're not trying to say that, but we're also going to find a way to continue to put the hard luck show out because probably people need to listen to something more now than ever. A hundred percent. Right? Yes, a hundred percent. And we're being very responsible, you know? I'm not going to give up the location of where... Right. The virus bunker's located. But what I can tell you guys yes. is that this is a private location that's not open to the public. Exactly. And the only two people that are here doing it are me and my partner. Right. A you- couple times we had Lepke join us. Big Lep. But we had to frisk him down before he came in. And we had, had to hose him down. We had to hose him down. You might have seen him get hosed down on L.A. Originals. Yep. Right? <laughs> he got hosed down the same <laughs> way here. Yeah. And uh, we basically had to fucking... Disinfect them. Dude, we had to drop Schmitty into a vat of acid. Oh, yeah. We had to make him burn his clothes and bury his fucking... We had him butt naked, (laughs) and we were hosing his ass down like a fucking pig out there. Any guy that was walking around with his mouth open letting ants follow him, that guy's going to be the first one to get coronavirus. I'll tell you that right now. Now. Go ahead. Speaking of that. Now, Jumon. Go ahead. How about you? I mean... You're an attorney at law. Right. You're a fucking accomplished screenplay writer. Right. Amongst many other wonderful things you do. But how is, I mean, you're, you're, a, you're, you're a father. Yep. You're a husband. Yep. You're a son-in-law. Right. You have a lot of responsibilities to a lot of people. That's true. 
How has it changed your life? Well, your gym's closed too. Okay, so I'll tell you straight up, my gym is closed. Okay, so as a result, I've changed my workout routine to fit the circumstance. Okay, so I don't go to the gym. In fact, I stopped payment on my fucking payments to the gym. First of all, I called the gym and I said, look, you took a payment in March. I haven't been inside since March. So I'm going to cancel and you need to remit. They didn't tell me they put it on hold yet, right? Uh Uh-huh. You beat them to it. Oh, fuck yeah, I did. I called them. And I got a voice message from a giant corporate gym saying, COVID-19, we don't have anyone to answer your call. Please just email us. Right? Yes. And I knew those motherfuckers were going to do that. You know why I knew that? Because I knew they were going to make it as hard as fucking possible to fucking quit the gym because they don't want to lose any money. So I emailed them and I said, as of today, I am not. I'm canceling my membership. Mm. And then I called my credit card company. I said, I dispute the payment. Damn. Is that American Express or regular credit card? No, City. City Bank. City, City, whatever the fuck it is. I called them up and said, I dispute this payment to the gym because um, I didn't receive any services. I paid and I got nothing. Right. And uh, they remitted that money back and I just got an automatic notice from the gym that like, your payment didn't go through. And I'm like, yeah, because I fucking pulled it. You hear that? You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) You follow the footsteps. Right. You take the initiative. Right. You don't just give up. Oh, they're too big to get a hold of. You stick through it and you you get get what you guess what yours. That's right. Listen, when you're dealing with a corporate, just listen, this I'm going to give everyone some real game. right. Game time. All right. Whenever you're dealing with a corporation. okay. whenever you're dealing with that. You got to strike first and you can't dance to their tune. You because they they've their people in their front office and, and the guys and the women up at the top that strategize on how to hold on to as much money as possible. Mm. They figured out phone trees and fucked up. T- That's why when you call AT&T and you're like, hey, this is a fucked up charge. And you got to repeat that story eight times to eight different departments. Blah, 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 blah. They got computers. They could just write notes and everybody could know what it was in two seconds. But you got to repeat it. Know why? Because they figured out if they can wear you down before you can even get to explain to the person that can actually do something about your problem, they can wear you out before then. Chances are you're going to give up Mm. if you call it off. Mm. So I'm like, first, you take the initiative. You send them a written message, email or through mail, because now you got a record. If you're having a problem with a corporation, don't call their customer service line. Why? Because they're the ones keeping notes. And if you got to take them to small claims court or you got to go to court, who's got the record? You're going to be like, well, I was on the phone and I told them. And they're going to say, well, that's not actually accurate. We have professional customer service reps whose job it is to take down notation. And what they've written here was that the person didn't say that. They said this. That's why you never do that. You will never get satisfaction that way. I guarantee Mm -hmm. it. Set up that way. But if you send a letter, you write it. It doesn't even have to be long. Send a letter with a date on it, and you mail that fucker, and you keep a copy of that. That puts the corporation on notice that you're not fucking around. They know now. It doesn't matter what they say on the fucking phone. They can say whatever the fuck they want on a phone call, but you got a piece of paper with a date on it with your signature. They told them what the problem was. When you go inside the court, the judge is going to see that, small coin, whatever. 
they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna look to a person who's not a business who took the time to write a letter da da da. They're gonna look at that as more accurate than what these fucking corporate lackeys are saying. So that's that's what you got to do. And go to your credit card company and stop the payment on on whatever it is first, and start the dispute there. Let this company prove why it's a justified payment. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Dance to your game. Dance to you setting the place. Let them try to attempt to explain why it makes sense. Uh, you know what? I love that. And, and you know what? Juwan, it rings true. You told me, you gave me this rundown. Yeah. When a rental car company, oh, those I tried faces. to, I returned a rental car. They signed off on it, did all the little circling the whole car with signatures that everything was fine, gave me my receipts, and then tried to call me two days later and say, hey, there's some dents in the car that weren't there. But yet they had signed off on the whole car and given me back my, you know what I'm saying? Fuck and I remember man. they were trying to like, and, and Chumahan suggested, you know what? You write this letter. You make a copy of it. You have it mailed over there. And before I knew it, those people never contacted me again. Exactly. And yeah. same thing happened with my buddy. <laughs> Dude, I have a friend. Listen. I'm you, not, all you had me do is just put down the facts. That's it. The dates when I returned it. The, 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 because, the, 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 and because, because in California and probably in a lot of other states, but I don't practice law in the other states, but most likely it's true. California, if you as a customer or somebody who's not normally in business, in this business, you write down the facts and you send it to the other side. If they don't respond and dispute those facts, they're presumed correct. Since a business is in the habit of receiving mail mm. and dealing with customers and blah, 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 the courts presume that if they don't agree with what's written in this letter, they've got professional people to write you back and say, hey, that's not correct. We think it's this. But if there's nothing after a certain period of time, like three weeks, then the court presumes that your version of facts are correct, that they didn't dispute it. Same way it works for a corporation with you. Right. right? Exactly. Exactly. So this is why I always say, don't call. You go and call, they're going to give you, it takes you five, ten minutes to write, mail the thing, and then you don't have to sit on on, on the thing. Now it's it's in their hands. What are they going to do? But if you sit on the phone, you get put on a hold and talk to a bunch of fucking jabberwockies. So you so you called, you canceled that I canceled out. it. I said, fuck it. And you know why? Because I, I looked at it, and I said to myself, I said, <clears throat> you know, uh, change circumstances. I don't know how long it's going to be. That's true. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I, uh, so that changed. The, the, the law practice changed because the courts closed down. They're not opening back up. Two months, right? Yeah, till June. After, and it, it, if they open back up, we don't know, but they just said till June. So that's closed down, right? So nothing's going on with the courts. Um, but, you know, as a writer, you know, on our production stuff's kind of like slowed down a little bit in terms mm. of when, but in terms of stuff that needs to get done, not really. Mm. So in terms of my life, you know, I'm an extrovert like you are, but you're more of um. I would say you do more, ex- like you go and meet with people more than I generally do, I think. I got, I, we're both extroverts in conversation and all that stuff. But w- oftentimes when I'm talking to you, you oftentimes like with Esteban Oreo or you're hanging out with Cartoon or you're over here doing this or you're with so-and-so at, at, at so-and-so's pizzeria, whatever. You're a guy that gets around. Like you like to be mobile. You like to move around. 
my law practice doesn't require that as much because it's mostly like me working here or working at the desk and then writing doesn't require that as much. So what usually so so those aspects are kind of the same. That that part is kind of the same and it's strange. Um so so that's changed. My my daughter wasn't going to school so that didn't change. Now, now your daughter she had an. Uh, she was supposed to go to Italy. My daughter was supposed to go to Italy. Then that got canceled. Then she was going to. Nor- nor- uh, Where it was like another part of the country or something. Netherlands. Netherlands, right? Right, and then yeah. that got canceled, and she ended up not even going back to Alabama. She ended up staying in Los Angeles, not even going back to Alabama, and they canceled her graduation. Right. So bad part is, we were all planning on going to her graduation in May. Right. Big graduation. My daughter's graduating with her education degree as a right. teacher. Gets canceled. She's home. But the good news is they went ahead and sent her her degree. Right. Um, she finished everything she needed to finish. And Perfect. So, yeah. And, and, yeah, man, this is. So, like, so, so okay. And your so, wife was at home, full-time mom right now. Full-time mom right now. My, my assistant still comes in. Okay. Okay, my assistant, she's young. She's like in her 20s, so she still comes in. So, and that's attractive. Um fucking yeah. She listens to the show, so yes, she's a very beautiful. <laughs> but she's not my she's not this my, the same woman I saw? I think so, Lily. Lily. Yeah. Yeah, she's Lily's a beautiful a pretty, she's pretty a beautiful, woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah, a nice yeah. girl, but she's nice not, person too. She's not my type in that regard. Right. Right. right, right. And and so it's perfect because it's She's sets, my type. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go. You know, it, so it, it's good because we have a very good mentor mentee relationship in terms of knowledge and and certain things and explain mm-hmm. to her how to write letters. I've taught her how to write letters, professional letters. I've taught her about you know, how to serve things. I've taught her oh, this is a lot, actually. Working here, she's probably gotten, like, a paralegal's education in, like, five months or six months. Now, Chumahan, but, okay, so so staying on the course of, of, of beast mode. and on Yeah. This, with the law practice. Go ahead. The courts are closed. Yeah. Now, I know that there's a lot of background work that happens, a lot. Right. And then you go to a court proceeding. Right. So me thinking that there's a lot for you to do with your cases in dealing with clients, writing up different things, Dude. looking into backgrounds and investigations. I mean, Dude. are you just as busy as normally be except not going to the actual courts? I might be busier. I might be busier. I've picked up a couple more clients. Wow. You're right? pick- you guys hear that? This guy's picking up clients. I might be busier because also, right, some of there's been some novel legal issues that have come up, right, with these new clients. And so part of my job is to read um, books by experts and Mm. think about, all right, how am I going to utilize what I'm learning here to bolster my client's case? Or how do I organize the evidence and facts that we've got to match what this expert's saying? So all of a sudden I'm doing that work. And then in other work, believe it or not, I've had to do these exchanges, right? We all had to wear a mask. We were all wearing gloves. We went down to a jewelry store. You know, I can't explain it all, but essentially there was like exchanges of all this stuff and receipts. Did they have the store privately open for you guys? Yeah, they did. Okay, got they it. They actually did. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a, um, 
It wasn't like, uh, you know, whatever that is, Jared's down at the mall where... Zales. Yeah, it wasn't any of that. It was like, you wouldn't know it was a jewelry store unless you went there. A private jeweler. It right was there. a private okay. jeweler. So we had to go in there, and it was a whole bunch of fucking shit. And, uh, but luckily, it went smoothly. And then, um, and then a lot of conference calls and negotiations... Sure, I would imagine so. So all of that stuff. And, and so normally there might have been in-person meetings, but since the situation and all the other attorneys know it, we just can do it all by conference call. It's like, why do I fucking have to stand there and look at your face? Just tell me what the fuck it is or, or what you want or whatever you right, think it's going right. to be. So there's that. So, yeah, man, it's been it's been busier and, um, and uh, I've got a couple of clients that, you know, part of the law, you know, what's interesting is part of the law, I'm sure you can imagine this, but part of the law practice has been, for me anyway, I'm a, I'm not the kind of lawyer that's in a giant firm that you don't know who I am and I keep a complete distance, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm the kind of attorney that each one of my clients knows me personally and, 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 and as a result, you know, if they have other issues that come up or whatever they want to, you know, talk about certain things or whatever... Um, they feel completely welcome to come in and um, and 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 seek advice or explain to me what's going on. And so I've had I've had I've had that, and I've had some some of my business clients. They have businesses that require uh, people to meet together. Like their business model depends on groups of people hanging out. That's done. So they've contacted me to be like, how, like, how do I apply for the loans? How do I do right, this? Right, 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 right. So all that kind of stuff just kind of like rolls together. And then on top of that, our writing stuff, the show, thinking about the show, reading, reading up on the, the, the virus to talk about it intelligently on our show. Yes. All that kind of stuff. By the time I'm done with that and then, you know, showing my daughter how to roll balls across the floor and, <laughs> and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, and and exercise and all that stuff. Um, it it's that's it's, we're talking like a sixteen hour, eighteen hour day. Easily. Yeah, yeah. And he's not lying. Yeah. What kind of uh? What time are you up in the morning? Four a.m. Four a.m. Is that five six days a week? Yeah, that's okay. five six days a week. So easily. you're taking a day or two off for on sure the weekends from the workouts, but you're up early. Uh, this no, you know what? It's actually working out like Friday. <laughs> Friday seems to be the day that I sleep in a little bit because Monday through, by the time I hit Thursday, I'm starting to get worn out a little bit. Yeah, right. Okay. And then I, I, and then, and then Friday I sleep in, but I got to eat less. So it's a trade off. Right. And then like this one, I was up at four because work out into I, I fucking, yeah, dude, yeah. I ran two, I ran for two hours and 15 minutes this morning. Ran? Ran. Ran. No walking. Ran. For two hours. For two hours and 15 minutes. I listened to Trench Warfare while I'm running. I'm listening to documentary shit on Trench Warfare, which this is why when we talk on other shows and then all of a sudden I go into like a long ass thing. Yeah. <laughs> where I'm like, dude, there's a, such a thing as trench foot. Blah, blah, blah. It's because when I'm running for two hours, there's two things going on. First hour, I'm listening to something inspirational. That's to get me going, right? E.T., T.D. Jakes, fucking Machiavelli motivation, some of the shit that you send me, the fucking whatever else, right? First hour is that. 
just to get my blood pumped up, just to get me in the mind, reframe, get me set up. Then the second hour is always either a book on tape or some kind of YouTube documentary about something I'm trying to figure out. Or i just curious to know, or I know it's going to come up on the show at some point and I need to be able to say something about it. That's my first two hours of the day. Then I get home, and it takes me about 45 minutes to do 520 push-ups, 150 stomach exercises, mm-hmm. right? And then by then, the baby's awake. But the cool thing is, is because I'm not going to the gym, I'm cutting out the parking, mm-hmm. right? And some of the other shit that goes along with it, like the, the idiots who want to talk and the walking up the stairs and waiting for this machine and then recalibrating what I'm going to work on. Now... I'm not getting. I'm not getting the specialization on the muscles. Of course, right? right. Sure. Mm. But at the same time, maybe it's a good time to cut. Maybe it's a good time to lose a little bit more body fat. Maybe this is a good time to like you know get a little more cut and and then slowly build back up when the time comes or when I when I, the money that I've saved from the gym I can start buying my individual dumbbells or whatever. I think it reminds me before I leave today. Yeah. I'm going to show you a couple things I picked up from a boot camp that I'm doing yeah. twice a week that are really good. So what's this boot camp that you're doing? Well, first, let me just say um, I'm real impressed with the two-hour run. Thank you. I'm telling you right now, not I don't want to, physically. Right. Now at my age, right. I can't run two hours. Sure. It just, And I think around 41, 42, 43... I still could run. Sure. But I just it it just becomes uh extremely painful in the lower back and knee just it just hurts. Yeah, but I mean and like let's let's really look at it in the sense that in terms of body types, mm-hmm. you're a taller dude and and you're a, a like a, a bigger dude. I'm short and squat and I think like I my joints don't take the same kind of pounding. I just I really don't in the sense of the way I'm just set up. I can tell like my knees, I've never had a knee problem my entire life, and it's because I got these giant fucking, you know, short man knees. So as a result, you got more Indian in you, so you maybe, get wrong. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm 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 awfully impressed with the two hour run. I well, think that's great. And yeah. the other thing I want to add to that is is that so the way you lift weights is half cardio. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I've worked out with you in the supersets, mm-hmm. that builds a cardio buildup. So when it goes to the running. There hasn't been a transition in terms of cardio for me at all. I was surprised because I'm like, dude, when we do those supersets and we do them for like an hour, two hours, and we're sweating, right? Yeah, yeah, your heart rate's up the whole time. So then when I went jogging, it wasn't hardly any transition. A big, no, it wasn't a big curve. Learning not curve. at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, man, it's like that right there is real, bro. Two-hour run. Just two-hour run, 500 push-ups. Forget about the stomach. Right. That's money. Right. I'm, uh, you know, what, what's been going on for me lately has been, you know, that five to 700 push-ups. You yeah. Know? So a lot of push-ups. I still believe very deeply in, in push-ups. Yeah. Um, I've been short on the dumbbells. You know, we only have a couple dumbbells that are not very heavy at my house. Right. So I think I just hit a line on some. But I use, I've got a 30 and a 25, one of each. So I do enough, right. you know, uh, preacher curls. Right. 
back and forth. I'll do 10 sets of 20 right. on each arm until right. it burns. Right. Then I'll do my back arms, and I'll do 15 reps each arm for 10 sets. I think you sent burning. me that Machiavelli or whoever that was. That guy was ripped. It was... Who's the guy that died, but, I mean, he was huge, and he was kind of controversial. He never won the bodybuilding contest that he wanted to, but he started his own thing, and it blew up. Oh, uh, uh, Mike Metzer. And you sent that to me, and, in, in, dude, his the dumbbells were like 20-pounders. Right. And he just did, like, 500 this way and 500 yeah. that way just to keep his fucking—and he's huge. Yeah, so I think there's, you know—and listen, in doing that— you were doing something different than we're normally doing. That's true. So it's just you're, you know, you're, you're, you're ch- it is changing, even if you don't know. Um, been doing a lot of unweighted squats, you know, enough right. squats, you know, proper squats, doing the step ups, right? A lot of step ups, and then um, so so that's what my workout. I have some resistance bands that I use for Hitler's, right? And I, I'd be honest with you, that that's really all the exercise, exercise I've been doing. I have been, but what I have been doing for cardio is I've been walking uh, from my doorstep to Santa Monica Pier is almost uh, three miles. Yeah. So I've been doing that back and forth with, at a brisk walk. Nice. So it's almost six miles. Nice. Probably burns off around 500 calories. Right. Takes about an hour and a half to do it. Right. An hour and 15 minutes. So that's that's been good. Um, and then twice a week we have a private instructor for the house that comes over and does boot camps. Yeah, and we do like an hour long boot camp, and it's bear crawls, and it's you know it's this and these squats and these these backwards lunges and these forward push up crawl backs, and we do that, and and you do it like four or five sets of that, and yeah. he's like. Run and then you got to run all the way to the length of the park and back, yeah. And then it's the next exercise, and it's maybe 15 second, 20 second break in between, yeah. But when you go for an hour and you're using these body parts that you're not used to using, right? And these positions that you're just totally weird, and you do it one time, and you're like, This ain't nothing, but you try and do it like you know, five times and then go run, you know <laughs> yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? It's just yeah. like really good cardio and really, really good, um. Just, you know, the, the first few days, muscles I didn't even know were sore. And I love when that happens. Because right. Because that lets me know where I'm weak and, right. and that. Still doing leg lifts and crunches. Right. Um, so that's been that's been my thing. And I have to be honest, I think that I'm, I'm bringing in about four workouts a week. Okay. Opposed to my six or seven days at the gym. I never take days off. Right. This has gone to about four days. Um, but the walking's pretty much almost every day. Right. So that's what's going on with me. What? Let me ask you this. Um, I'm going to speak for myself. You're 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 married. Yes. I'll speak to them for myself. There's, you know, going into the gym and the gym atmosphere for me at old at Golds. Not only is there a community there that's pumped up and it's inspiring. Right. I get there and I'm juiced, and I get there and that. There's also some attractive chicks. Right. And I don't care what anybody I says, can. man. It's eye candy, you know? Yeah. So there's a couple of different things that keeps Steve Luciano extra motivated. Right. And for me to get that motivation during a time like this, yeah, where there's nobody to look at, there's nobody around, yeah, it just brings me back to like um, 
two things. It brings me back to the mentality that I had when I was in a cell. Right. Which was, I'm doing it for me. I'm doing this to be strong, to be ready, to be healthy, to be, I'm doing this for me. So it's really, I've, I've had to, bring that back into play. I kind of had to look and hit those buttons. Um, and, and I think that it, that it better be for you and it better be for a, a bigger purpose than going out and seeing people and checking out chicks because if that's the case, then you're probably not working out. Yeah, I mean, let me put it to you this way. Yeah, I am married, right? But I am also vain. Okay. And I like being, I mean... Okay, look, let me put it to you this way. My wife's always going to be more beautiful than me. She's got a more beautiful face than me, blah, 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 blah. But I like being <coughs> like one of the fittest dudes in, in, the, in the situation. Yeah. Right? I like that. Yeah. Second, because I'm never going to, and this is just me. I'm not even saying this for anyone else because the way I was raised by my dad, he was fat. He was like 400 pounds. And I was chubby as a kid, and all he did was just put me down day in, day out. And every day I would grab my stomach fat, and every day. I mean, you know. you yeah, how long You've yeah. known me for how long? How, how long have I cried about my body to you? How long have I talked about my body to you, right? Forever. Ever. Yeah. That's, like, never probably going to leave me ever. Right. So when it comes to, like, working out, it's always for me, too. Mm-hmm. It's always for me, too, right? Like, how far can I go? And, you know, the fucked up thing is I'm, like, writing my autobiography, like, dude, I'm at page 50, story by story, story by story, story by story. I don't know how to do it in pages and all that, but but I've gotten to this place where my dad started forcing me to run, right? Like, I'm in fourth grade, and I'm already chubby, heavy set, heavy set. That's Yeah, husky. Husky. And he's already making me run, and he's fat, right? Like... He's coming up with my workout plan while he's eating ice cream. Right, right. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even joking. Right? And I don't even want, you know, like, the the situation is so hypocritical and funny. Like, I can't even talk about it when I'm a kid. Like, I'm like, "Uh, what? Mm -hmm. Like, what? So my dad would make me run. On the island, they didn't have sanitation. Come pick up your shit. Garbage. You had to take it to the dump. So my dad does the dump. You know, it's three miles, 3.2 miles to the dump and back, right? So my dad's telling me, he's like, while he's like sipping an orange Julius, and he's like, you know what you're going to do? You're going to run. You're going to run to the dump, dump runs. I'm going to drive the truck. You're going to run behind the truck, right? And you're going to run there and run back every night. And like, I'm like, I'm a fat kid, so I'm like, fuck, man. I don't want to fucking... What? Like, you know, Fuck. like Fuck I run that. I run like a bag of wet cement. There's right, nothing springy right, right, in my right, step. Right, I'm not right, a gazelle. Right. I'm not from Kenya. Right, right, right. Right? right. So, and start doing that, right? And my dad's making me do it. While he's drinking a sipping Coke, he's, and he gets the soundtrack to Rocky. No way. I promise you this is true. He was driving a blue Nissan with garbage in the back, a fat man and his fat kid. Run! <laughs> <laughs> that must have looked crazy, bro. 
What they're the? gonna make this this man's life story is gonna get made in a motion picture. By and then fucking with Rocky Balboa, like dun 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 dun, dun. Yeah, and I'm course. sitting there like sweating, staggering, and he's God speeding up, damn, and he's bro. speeding up, and they're yelling faster and faster, and I'm getting pissed off, like fuck you, faster, you know, inside, and like going slower and like staggering, you know, going to the dump and back. And then it even got to a point where my dad was like explaining to me that I don't know how to run. Uh-huh. And he yeah. was telling me, yeah. like, listen, you run like this. And then he, like, kind of shuffled. He's like, you need to run like this. And then he ran. And I'm watching his huge stomach just, like, fly around. And, like, he's only running across the front room. Right. So you can run perfect, right? And in my mind, I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what? Am I on a reality show? Like, right. what's the fuck? Is this right. hitting camera? Am I getting punked? Right. And then, of course, King Salmon, who's naturally skinny, came and visited. Dump run. Oh, he's running in flip-flops. There's no gravity on that guy. He's flying. He's running backwards. The wind's carrying him out the way. (laughs) (laughs) Hating life, dude. But the craziest thing is, like, in the mornings now when I'm running, Mm -hmm. right, sometimes I do listen to Rocky music, and I'm still fucking running. Yeah. And my dad did tell me, and I hated him for it. Huh. He's like, one day you're going to thank me for this because I'm forcing you to do this. Mm. And I'll be thinking to myself, how come you don't? I asked him one time, too. I'm like, how come you're not running? Right. And he goes, I got bone spurs in my Yeah, face. bro, of I course. Prom- I promise you he said that. Of course he did. Of course he did. So. I thought you were going to tell me. He had bad knees. No, you know? bone spurs. Yeah, I had car- cartilage when I played football when I was fucking <laughs> So uh, I think because, you know, so listen, you know, and you already know, we talked about the other show where I'm like, the thing that pumps me up is this fucking Rocky music. So my wife pointed it out to me. She's like, and look at you now, still running. So as much as I get mad at that dude, there's certain things that he did that probably did stick with me. and, And I'm still fighting the battle of the bulge, almost 45 right now. April 21st, I'm going to be 45. April 21st, okay. Still fighting the battle of the bulge, but I'm on the winning side now. Oh, you definitely are, partner. Right? Yeah, yeah it's it's you, you, you're past the battle of the bulge. Now you're trying to refine and but like define the six pack exactly the last exactly you know but you're 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 in incredible shape so um so that's so that's when it comes to working out and like you're saying i do love going to the gym and i'm married but i definitely like getting attention from women at the gym not, sure yeah right me and me too me right too. yeah when women thing. willingly talk to you at like if you have to go up to women to talk to them at the gym they ain't into you right like, especially if you're just trying to see, like, hey, can I use that machine? And they're not even looking at you, even yeah. though you're, like, two feet away. Oh, But they yeah. can't see you. They're not into you. Oh, yeah. But if they're coming up voluntarily inviting you into a oh, conversation. Oh, that, they want to have sex with you if they're exactly. doing that, bro. I mean, that's. No woman goes to the gym and starts a conversation no. with a guy unless they're willing. Listen. Because it, you're too easily stalked in those uh, situations. I'll even take it one step further. Do it. If a woman's making eye contact with you at the gym, right. smiling. Right. Guys, are you listening? Right. A woman makes eye contact with you and smiles at you. At the gym. At the gym? Go get her telephone number. Easily. That's money. In the Easily. bank. There's no... Any woman that's not, she because isn't even going to acknowledge you. She's not even going to know you're there until you actually try and almost tap her or knock her shit over. Right. 
And, right. and make no mistake, she knows you're there. You're there. Absolutely. Right. She could smell you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, so. the, but the that's and, and, and because at the gym especially, because when you talk to women at the gym, they hate guys approaching them. They hate that. Yeah, yeah, They're like, yeah, fuck, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to work out. And especially if you're trying to tell like they didn't ask you for advice. Mm-hmm. And then you oh, run up. Hell no. That's a, that's a real idiot. Yeah. You got to start telling them. <laughs> women hate that. So oh. then if a woman actually makes eye contact and smiles, that means she's willing to take a risk that you're psycho, whatever. Yeah. You look good enough. And she's willing to take that risk. Right? Absolutely. Right. 100%. Right. Um, yeah, man. I, I agree with you. And, and, and yeah. And also, the other thing is, you know what? I've always, I've always felt like I... I always want to be strong. Right. I always want to be ready. Somebody needs somebody needs something or something's happening or something's uh, just anything in life that could happen. I want to be physically prepared. Yes, I need to be mentally prepared, spiritually prepared. That's all that's important. But I'm saying physically, I want to always be prepared. I always want to be strong. I always want to be able to pick up anything, handle anything that that's in front of me on a physical. And so to do that, uh, that's constant um, exercising those muscles and conditioning and staying in that place of being fit. That's that's day to day work to stay in that place if you want to always be prepared and ready. Look, you never know when you're going to have to move a fucking couch or a refrigerator, you know. Yeah, and and the thing about it is, is that um, that's why it's a mindset. Like you can't. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. And you gotta be in a mindset of these are my values. These are just what. These are my operating principles. This is what I'm operating from. It's, I'm not trying to achieve something for a week. I'm not trying to like hit some level and plateau. No, I'm operating from, I always want to be strong. I always want to, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And if you're operating from those values, then it then it's an ingrained habit. And then, like you have always say, you know, you don't have to get ready, you stay ready, right? But, but let me ask you a question. So when the world changes, right? I mm-hmm. mean, look. It's changing. The, the world has really changed. Mm-hmm. And... Some things are probably never going to go back to the way they were. All right. Some things will. Some things won't. What is it that you do to stay in beast mode spiritually and mentally? Spiritually, I do what I've been doing for the last couple of years. And that's I'm I'm for one, I meditate every morning and I meditate for about. 15 minutes every morning. How do you med- what's your meditation practice? I I simply I sit out on my uh, you know I'm still smoking cigarettes. So I make my coffee. Okay. I grab a cigarette and I sit down on the front porch on my chair on the chair outside. Okay. And what and, are you looking uh, at? What's there? I don't you know what what it looks at is it looks out to the to the sky. That's what I'm looking at. I've okay. got a clear view of the sky from there. All right. Some trees and stuff, but it's a clear view of the sky. And I, you know, I obviously I finish my cigarette and I sit there and I close my eyes, man, and my my head is my hands, my palms are on my laps, my feet are uncrossed and I have a slight gaze towards the sky. 
and I just close my eyes, man, and uh, I kind of focus on my breathing, and I let my breathing kind of take me there, and I empty out my head of all my thoughts, and I just get to that place of just blank, nothing, nothing. That's What does that do for you? In that space of nothingness, when I can finally empty it out, yeah. I start to get an understanding of who I am in the scheme of things, the grand scheme of things, yeah. my purpose, my gratitude, my creator. It just, it just resets me, man. So I think more than anything, what I have when I'm done with my meditation is I'm, I'm at a place of gratitude. When I come out of that meditation, how does a dude from 17th Street, right? I mean, how do you even come into contact with this concept of meditation and decide to make that a practice? It, you know, it was introduced to me because uh, when I married my 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 ex-wife, my then wife, mother of my kids, Jessica. Yeah. Her mother and her father were members of Self-Realization Fellowship. What? SRF. Yeah, they actually taught there. That la- Lake Shrine. Lake Shrine. No shit. Yeah. And What's had, the name of that guy? The uh, uh, Oh, Yogananda. Yogananda. Yeah. Yeah. You know that he was, uh, I think he was like either the cousin or the brother to Bikram. Yeah, right. Parahansu Yogananda. That's right. And uh, and they sprinkled that Gandhi semi Gandhi's ashes up there. Yeah, I know. So she was she had been a member, and they were deep in that church, and they had been. By the time I met Jessica, she had already been like, 15, 18 years involved there. No shit. Yeah. Those were where my kids were christened and stuff. But anyways, that place is a very non-denominational. Right. SRF. You know, you go in there, there's there's Jesus and, and the Krishna. and God, they have like Right. You know, it's up by Pacific Palisades. Right. right. It's right off of Temescal Canyon. Temescal, right. Sunset. Sunset. Exactly. Beautiful. I've gone to plenty of things there. I'm not a, and I'm not an SRF guy, but I can recognize the value in the in the teachings. And it, like you said, it's not, not, not they don't not, care about what you believe. Yeah. It's not like, oh, Buddhist and this and no. It's just. It's got you know, like if you go to the Lake Shrine, it's got. The Jewish, the Buddhist, right. the Muslim, the Christian, right. right, exactly. And uh, so I would go there, and they would do, a, you know, they have their services every every uh, Sunday. every Sunday. Yeah, you know, the yeah. early morning service. Uh, it's, you go to the nine or eleven. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So I would go on Sundays, and they do a fifteen minute kind of almost guided meditation, right. and then you could go for guided meditation classes, which I did that. You know, did you do that? Yeah, on Wednesday evening times. This is when I was young before yeah, I even got to work. Right. So that's where a guy like me gets exposed, and from that exposure, part of the anonymous program that we're part of, yeah, kind of talks about meditation and prayer. Sure, and through. This meditation, meditation, and I was kind of always intrigued by Eastern philosophy. Yeah. All of this got me picking up more books on meditation and, and just kind of, I subscribe to meditation and, and that's where I learned it. It's not something that I just, I started doing consistently the last couple of years. Right. But it's always kind of floated around in my life. Right. And I've always been inquisitive about meditation. So uh, that's. That's what keeps me, I think, emotionally and mentally grounded is if I can find a place of gratitude, then the willingness is, is going to come from that. Right. That's where I'm going to get willing. That's where I'm going to not waste my opportunity at this day on this planet. Right. I'm not going to waste um, my my business partner's time. Right. I'm not going to you know, give up on my kids. Right. 
I'm not going to give up on myself. Right. I'm going to utilize every avenue I had, I have available to me to continue to move forward and get and accomplish my goals. All that comes from the place I come out of with the meditation, you know. And, uh, you know, listen, man, it's, it does, it, 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 it is going to be different. Yes. But I, I, I simply, I simply am not, yes, it's going to change some things, but doesn't mean that it's game over for this guy, for me. Right. That just means I have to think in different terms because the rules or the 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 pieces of the of the game board that we're playing with have changed right it's like it has nothing to do with like because of this coronavirus have all of a sudden my responsibilities disappeared what does the fucking coronavirus have to do with all the things i have to do right there's other ways and other things that i those things still have to get done. Right. They didn't disappear because of coronavirus. Right. There's other avenues that have to be handled. And I put up a post the other day and it was like, read a book, write your book, you know, like whatever yeah. it might be, like scale it back. And for us, I, like we're talking about your law practice. Right. But in some of our other fields, like some of our production, there's some areas of production that aren't happening today. Well, we just... We just right. We had a con- we had a conference call with the investor uh, for Hard, Hard to, to Kill, Kill which yes. is um, which is an uh, an audio documentary series, mm-hmm. right? That we're putting together that we've yeah. been putting together, been working on for a year. Over oh. right, and then it's also going to become a regular uh, series on on probably Netflix or Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. right? And so we had this conversation about, okay, how are we going to set up the production given the parameters of, of the new social distancing and all this other stuff? How, and we were working out ways that we could get the Monte Carlo, right. how we could get the players together, right? how we could get them to do the audio recordings that we need to do so we can put this up for our listeners because... Uh, you know, and whether who we're gonna get for who who we're gonna get for the soundtrack in terms of right, who's gonna create the music? Who's gonna, we've been we've been handling all the logos, been cartoons doing all the logoing right now. Right, we're talking about our digital guy, right, and the director of photography and the director, right, right, right. And then we also strategized about wait a second, maybe there's a new opportunity, a better need for what we're putting together here because exactly. right. Because of the shutdown and because everyone's had certain things change on them, this actually might be the most opportune time uh, for new, like a new fucking media, a new story, an interesting thing that delves kind of in the same era, I would say, as L.A. Originals, right? We've been talking about L.A. Originals, mm-hmm. Mr. Cartoon, Estevan Oriel, right? right? And um, if, if you haven't gotten a chance to see that documentary, it's, it's been out since It's on Netflix you... now. Right. It's beautiful. See it. I love it. Right? But, Big but, Lepke's on it. Big Lepke's all over it, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Great right. documentary. Yeah. I, well, Chuman, I think this is, uh, you know, look, at if we were going to really, really get down to, like, how do you stay in beast mode, yeah. you're answering your own question. Listen up, Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds. Right. I have a partner, and I tend to think this way, and so does our financer yeah, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. We're we're not looking. 
I haven't heard one of my partners cry, except, oh, there's one partner we have on another project that's a crybaby. <laughs> cry about how we can't do what we've set out to do. Right. Everybody's attitude has been looking at how this could benefit and and how this will actually, how we can position ourselves on how this whole situation is going to help us. Right. How we're going to get over because of this. Because, right, Juman, you hear what I'm saying? Like, I, Absolutely. Solution-based, man. Um, my, my partners are up for the challenge, as I'm up for the challenge. And I don't see anything being knocked down. It's just we're figuring out more new ways to even be better with what we're doing. Right. And so, you know, one of the things actually, right, and I'm going to say this because... Yeah. <clears throat> How you're responding yes. to the coronavirus yes. Yes. is really just a reflection of how you were living before Man, the coronavirus. Bro, say that. Right? Say how that, you're responding to the coronavirus is just a reflection of how you were living before the coronavirus. Yes. So, like, look, I love my sister. I love her. But she, she's younger than me, so she's got a lot to learn. But when we started talking about what was going on and da-da-da-da-da, right— she was all, she was complaining about the quarantine. She was complaining, mm. right? And then I I told her I said, look, uh, you're a leader. You're a leader, mm-hmm. right? You're complaining about the quarantine because you can't go here. You can't go to a movie theater. You can't go to a store. You can't go to a restaurant. You're complaining about that, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that are downsides to the situation, but there's upsides too. There's upsides yes. too. Yes, right. Now, a lot of trivial relationships that really were meaningless and taking up a bunch of your time are gone, out of your life. Mm-hmm. It's God bless. Goodbye. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got some time to sit back. What's funny about this is you got some time to sit back and reflect. You got some time to yep. sit back and really look at yourself. And my sister, about two months ago, said that one of her major things was that she wants to become more self-aware. I said, well, baby sister... This is about as good a time as any to get more self-fucking-aware because you you're going to be spending a lot of time with yourself. Yes. Right? Look at that. So if you're a person, right, that was complaining about shit before mm-hmm. the quarantine, like you were like, people suck, social media is terrible, I don't need this, I don't need that, blah, blah, blah. Chances are that when you went into quarantine, you were also complaining too. You were just complaining into a new situation. Yeah. If you were somebody that was looking at the situation you were in before quarantine and you were like, how do I make this work? How do I change my schedule so I can fit in what I need to get in? Mm -hmm. Right. How do I do that? Then when you went into quarantine, you found ways and you found new nooks and crannies in order to do what you need to do for yourself. Like right now, it'd be a great. Some people might have been like, I didn't never had the time to really study this or learn that or really think through this problem or whatever Mm -hmm. it is right now is a perfect time if you really want to absolutely right if you really want to and you know for me and i'll be honest man i was listening i gotta when i wake up when i wake up right i don't meditate until after the exercise and the inspirational shit i don't meditate because if the way i wake up I want to get certain things under my belt before I even 
set foot. Like my, my when my wife and my baby girl's day starts, I've already put in three hours. Like when they get up, mm-hmm. I've already been awake for three hours. I need that. I I have to have that. If I don't, because sometimes I don't. When like like on an off day, and I notice that it's just I don't have the same fight when I don't have those three hours of stuff I got to do for me before anything else gets going. And if anything, this has taught me more, and I believe this, if you want to be like a billionaire, like if you really want to be a billionaire, like you really want to make a lot of money, you can't be on the same schedule as everyone else. Hell no, bro. Right? You got to be going to bed at a different time, and you got to be getting up at a different time. There's no way. If you look at your life and you're like, I get up when my mom and dad get up and I go to bed when my brother and sister go to bed and you all, none of you are billionaires. That should tell you something. You can't, you can't make more time in a day than there is, but you know what? You could set yourself up to be ahead of schedule. Mm -hmm. So if you're around people and you're like, I'm getting up at the normal time most people get up. That's why you're making the same amount of money as most people. Mm-hmm. That's it's just simple as that. And I'm not even saying you got to stay up. I'm a big fan of like when, when other people are just getting started, maybe it's a good time for you to take a nap because you've already put in six hours. Mm-hmm. Now you take a nap. Then you get back up and you keep going. And the perception of the outside world is like, wow, this, this person is, that, do, do they ever sleep? You don't have mm-hmm. to tell them shit. Right. Right. You got to rest when other people are not, and you got to work when other people aren't. I'll even go one step further. Do it. I'll even take it beyond billions of dollars. Go ahead. If you really want to do some shit and accomplish some shit in this lifetime, it ain't going to happen. I, I, don't, I don't even want to say anymore, man. It's like you got to be willing to do things others don't if you want to be able to do things others don't. Man, that's so true. That is true. That is a fucking truth. That's just simply And it. sometimes that quality of doing something that other people, if you want to do things, if you want to do things that others don't, you got to be willing to do things that others don't. You know what? A chunk of that is finishing something. It's 1,000%. Right. 1,000%. I mean, me and Rama right. had this long talk about completing, finishing. Right. Just finishing his whole thing and his whole mantra lately was, I want to finish, 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 right. finish things. And on right. to the next thing, finish right. things, close things up properly and finish. Right. And uh, you're, you're so right about that, bro. I know so many people that have a million things going on, but they ain't finished shit. Exactly. And I think that's a cycle totally. you can get into totally. and get lost in and fool yourself that you're really busy. That's like not all motion equals... Um, Productivity, right? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I know a bunch of people that are running around a mile, a thousand miles a minute. Right. But you ain't getting shit done, bro. Right. Because they're still under the impression that the goal is to look busy. That's crazy. The goal is to look busy so you can tell people that you're busy, so that you can say I'm exhausted because I've been busy. So, so the whole down to the baseline, the foundation of it is for something. Other than being successful. Yes. It's to tell people, I'm exhausted. Yes. I'm working so hard. And it's probably because a lot of people are raised in families where that's all the parents talk about. I'm exhausted. I'm busy. I'm exhausted. I'm busy. 
You know, now I was talking to one of my friends. I'll tell you, chip out on this. I was talking to one of my friends, and uh, and he said that his mom would come home every day when he was growing up. This would have been maybe like the eighties. His mom would come home from work in like an eight-hour day, and then her whole attitude when she got home was like, "Well, I put in my time." She would open up a bottle of wine, sit back, watch TV, and drink. And like, I'm not against unwinding. That's not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying is, is her attitude was, as he was growing up, her attitude was, well, I did what I was supposed to do. And now that I'm, there's a bright line. And now that I've put in my time, now I'm going to fucking just unwind and just drink and watch TV and zone out. Now, this individual does the same exact thing in different areas of his life where you're like, I put in my time and now I'm zoned out. I'm not even da 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 da. And then, then, and then, like, if you point it out to him, you're like, isn't that a little bit like the way you know? He'll flip his burger. He's oh, like, oh, wait, 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 wait. But the point of the matter is, is that uh, you look at the culture of the environments in which you were raised, right? It takes a lot to break out of that. It takes a lot to break out of that. If you really want to break out, if you want to break out. And the thing is, the human mind is infinite. Everybody knows it. You can't fucking go outside and say, like, what's the human potential? Really? If you were to be serious. It, I mean, knock down, drag out. You were willing to just fucking go for broke. Right? Is there any limit if you really, if you really did it? And not a single person would say, no. Everybody would be like, yeah, it's unlimited. It's true. Right? You could be, you know, 68. And be like, all right, that's it. I'm pulling out all the stops. Everything. Every waking moment, I'm going to work towards a goal. I guarantee you there's not a single person that wouldn't say, you know what? That guy might reach. That guy might reach that goal. We've seen it. Every now and then we get to see it from somebody who was willing. Right. To go all the ways. Right. So, right, everybody knows it. Think about this. Everybody fucking knows that. Everybody knows it. And yet. And yet, so many people find reasons to not put it into action. So many, bro. Didn't 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 somebody didn't somebody real popular say, I don't know, a few thousand years ago that you could do anything? Yeah. Right? Right. Right. All you can do all anything, right? Right. So so for me, dude, like to be in in in, in beast mode during lockdown, right? Like to be in beast mode during lockdown. Maybe the most important and there's a couple of things that go along with this. And and you know what, man? I'm gonna tell you something else. I, I have I have friends who are people who educate people in empowerment, right? And I am now in a situation where I can see behind it, the real, like the virus, the everything, right? And I can see behind 
what at first seemed to me like a perfect picture. And I can see like missing pieces. It all unraveling. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not upset by it, but it just reaffirms to me, right, that number one, if you really want to be real about it, number one is fucking consistency. That's number one. If you can be consistent, like consistent, consistent with your exercise. Now, consistent doesn't mean perfect. Mm -mm. Right? Right? It just means showing up. Exactly. And sometimes yep. consistent is I fucked up, but I'm showing up again. Yes. Right? Yes. Right? So consistent isn't perfect, but consistent is, right, 98 out of 100 times I showed up. And I'm going to show up on 101 and 102, and if I fuck up right. again, I'm going to keep coming. That's consistent. That, I, beats everything. Everything. I, I got to agree with you, bro. Everything. And when I when I talk to people that are really successful, well, uh, when I talk to people that are successful and they're successful in ways that I respect, right? I don't know, right? A couple have said to me, ninety percent is just showing up, right? Just you just keep showing up relentlessly, right. you know. So 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 when you come to a thing like this. Mm-hmm. Right where the business landscape's gonna be rejiggered a little bit. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that are in business today are gonna be gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right, this chaos a little bit. Right where we don't know what the government's gonna do. We don't know what. Da, 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 da. How long's it gonna? Blah, 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 blah. This is the time when consistency pays off. This is the time when. Your fucking whatever you've been doing consistently day in, day out, and now in this time, and and it can carry you through this situation so that when the smoke clears, you're one of the few things still rolling, you're going to be able to pick up where others fell out. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. It's what, like, Mao Zedong, like, and I'm not even like a big Chairman Mao fan in that regard. But when now he changed China, right? It went from an imperial system to this community. Think about think about how big China is, right? It ain't no small fry. That's a big <laughs> fry. It went from an imperial system to the communist system. But one of the things that had to happen before that is it had to be in chaos. And Chairman Mao is famous for saying that uh everything under heaven is in utter chaos. So the situation is excellent. Mm. It's real hard to make a change when the system's working perfectly. That's real hard. Ain't easy. But when the system gets fouled up, there's an opportunity there. And if you're consistent, and if you've been standing there the whole time, waiting for the perfect timing, the chaos, where everyone's solidified positions, maybe they get pushed aside a little bit and a little bit of room gets made. That's when, that's when a big change can happen. And that's, that's what I, I feel like we're here in sense of for the coronavirus and in the lockdown. I feel like one of the ways to stay in the beast mode is to look at this as a chance for a big change. A big change for you personally and a big change for the country and then maybe a big change for the world. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Yeah. That's what I see. Yeah. That's what I see. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And there's, uh, there's, uh, you know, you know, I, I say it again too. You know, uh, um, yeah, I've said that thing. You know, if you, if you're, if you're finding yourself bored, really bored, man, you're dying of boredom. Might be because you're a boring person. Yeah. Right. You're boring. Right. The people that are close to me, yeah, they're not bored, bro. <laughs> Now, if you're sitting on a couch in front of the TV right. for 12 hours a day right. complaining about how bored you are and where you can't go, right. it makes perfect sense. Right. You're going to be bored. Right. But like I said, the people around me are never, the people that I surround myself with are never bored. Bro. They're never bored with or without the coronavirus. Right. They're doing things. Right. Taking action. And all I do is I mimic those same people. Right read i write the thing i need to do i go do it that exercise i need to get i get in the phone calls i need to make i make and you stay busy and you stay on your thing and you and and you stay grinding man uh the sad thing chuman is that the coronavirus and what's going on what it's doing to the world yeah it was a perfect excuse for a lot of people yes that really didn't want to do it in the first place 100%. That we're looking for a way out, man. And Absol- that ain't me. Absolutely. And that's at the business level, mm-hmm. and that's at the personal level. 100%, bro. 1,000%. And I've even told some of some of my business friends who had a situation, and it's not working, and it's not da-da-da-da-da. I've even said to them, I'm like, look, if you need to make a major change, you need to let that one go and pick up a new one. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to do it. Do it. Because you're not going to catch any blame. You got mm-hmm. a good excuse right now. Sure. Right? You Make be, it work for you. Look, at Trump's probably going to be... If, if Let me tell you something. If Trump goes into this re-election, right, and yeah, he fucked up the whole thing, but he's also got a built-in excuse. The economy tanked, right? He's going to be able to say, like, it wasn't my fault, mm-hmm. right? It was going good till Corona. And believe you me, all those fathead supporters are going to go right along with that. They're going to be like, that's right. The economy was working till Corona. It's not his fault. Mm-hmm. So... I, I mean, to me, I would I would take this opportunity to really evaluate whether you're like a lot of people are doing shit for other people before the virus or they said they wanted this, but they really don't. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they are doing something that they think other people would be impressed with. Maybe their family. Right. But it's not their thing. Right. Now is the perfect time to make a change. Man, you guys listening to this out there? Right. Yeah, you laid off from your job you've been working at and hating for the last five, eight years. For sure. Ten years, however long it might be. And after all those years, they just let your ass go. Right. If that's you and you're listening, it happened for a reason. Right. Make it about something. Find your reason for right. all this, you know? Right. You know, I, I really, really believe that, man. I don't know what this is and the guys and this and that and they're conspiring and the 5G and the, the this and the vaccine. I don't know about any of it. <laughs> what I truly, truly believe is that the universe 
is ultimately in control of all of it. That's this is true. the universe doing what the universe needs to do. Been going on on this planet for millions of years. It does what it needs to do. And, you know, it's the universe's game and we're just players in it, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, uh, I, t- I tell you this much. If something ain't meant to happen, it won't happen. If it happens, it was meant to happen. So having said that, right? So having said that. This ain't by mistake. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, like, it's not. This ain't by mistake. Right. So stop thinking that a mistake was made. Right. Disease ain't no mistake. This is That's like the blame thing, dude. And you know how many people are looking to blame? They're spending all their time trying to figure out who's, who's responsible. Yeah. And then what? And then what the fuck are you going to do? Change the fucking channel to the next Netflix? Look through Hulu? You're not going to do anything, motherfucker. You're going to eat another fucking slice of pizza and sit on your ass and blame, point the finger. Right. Nothing. (laughs) Stop fucking wasting everybody's time, man. It's the truth. That is the truth. Shut the fuck up and that, eat a piece of pizza. That is the and truth. watch TV. Okay. All right. So so now that we we we've, we've invoked Netflix, and now that we've invoked <laughs> Amazon <laughs> and Hulu and Hulu, uh, let's just run down some stuff that um, uh, that we think is interesting or worth watching in case anybody's missing out. Good books, good films, good, good books, good, good films, good, good documentaries, okay. right? All right, all right. We're, so we're I'm gonna, stuff. the first thing I'm gonna throw out is the Act of Killing 2012 documentary. Ooh, what's that on now? Uh, it's on Amazon. Okay, okay, and uh, it might be on Netflix, but this documentary is a follow up to in Indonesia. Right, there was mass killing. Okay, really genocide and all right, that stuff. Right, and there's right. two different stuff. So then this documentary person goes in and films, once it's all over, films all the people that were involved in doing it, right? And asks them about it and to reenact some stuff and everything. And the crazy part is that you see up close that the people responsible for genocide are, they don't seem, they don't seem like wigged out by it. Like they don't see it as wrong. They're reenacting it. They're reenacting it, and they're talking about what they did. And then a couple of people, you see they've suppressed something, and it starts to bubble up. It's a great film because you never get to see, because they're not, they're, for some reason, they don't realize that the documentary is examining them. Yes. They even want to do a detective piece. They like try to do a fictionalized thing, and they explain how they tortured guys, and they even go in and explain like how, what's the easiest way to behead somebody, and they talk about it in such a neutral way. All right, matter of fact. Then. But then later, uh, I'm not going to ruin it, oh, dude. That but sounds dude, good. this is real. This is real. Oh, it's really God. good. I gotta see this. Yeah, act of killing. Okay, I got one for you guys. Go for it. It was originally on Showtime. Now it's available on Netflix, and it is Operation Odessa. What is that? I had told you and Charlie and Sight to watch this documentary. Right. Uh, it's on the Russian mob and the Colombian cartels working together. It's a, a massive story that takes place in the 80s. And I'm talking about these dudes who were doing it 
Operation Odessa. Operation Odessa. I'm telling you right now, you're listening. Yeah. This documentary. Everybody I've suggested it to calls me and is like, dude, I told 10 different people to watch that documentary. I'm going to watch that. It's fantastic. I'm going to watch that. Operation Odessa on Netflix. You're up. All right. Capturing the Freedmans. What's that? This is this is a documentary that starts out about clowns, like lighthearted thing, and accidentally catches a family in the midst of a crisis, which is that the father of the family is accused of pedophilia, and it follows the all family members in reaction to what they go through, and uh, oh. it. And 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 uh, there's a lots of unanswered questions. There's lots of suspicion, and then you see family members start to take sides. It's fucking real, phenomenal, amazing, capturing the Freedmans, and and you're just left with a portrait of a real family that's going through this weird accusation, and whether or not it's true, and then family members lining up on both sides as to what they think is really going on. Fantastic. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. You're up. Netflix. Go ahead. Vietnam War yeah. by Ken Burns. It is now listen, ladies and gentlemen. This is a this is the full, full spectrum background of the Vietnam War. Even pre-Vietnam War. This is gonna give you the whole background story of Vietnam how they even got there and how we got to the cut. And it gives you the whole layout um, of the whole war. And, all, you know, and we get to hear from Viet Cong soldiers from the Viet Cong side. And, and we get to hear from everybody. We usually get to, we usually are hearing a, the American, right. American side, right. our side or the American soldier right. side. Right. And this gives you a bird's eye view and it gives you a lot of different people's perspective because they go deep and you get an understanding of of government and policy and um you know our, our armed services and their political and the, you know everything that they from communism to you know to uh democracy mm. and and it's just a great documentary uh i think there's around 10 episodes so it's quite a commitment but right. it is fantastic i learned so much through it it was one of the greatest history lessons and so much that i didn't know about the vietnam war right and everything surrounding it right. so um ken burns vietnam war and that's on netflix it's fantastic it. check it out all right on amazon mm-hmm. which to me is like one of the greatest documentaries of all time mm. hero dreams of sushi 2011 I saw the name of that, but I didn't know what that was. It's about the best, dopest, tightest sushi chef in Japan, Tokyo. Mm-hmm. He's got a shop, like his restaurant. He spends 30 minutes with him explaining, like, when you make sushi, like, everyone thinks they can make rice. You don't know how to make rice. Hmm. These guys know how to keep the temperature at a certain level mm. to make sure the rice is the chewy sort of thing. And they got like assistants fanning it with bamboo fans and then letting the steam come in. And it's everything down to picking the right fish. It's everything down to what it takes to be a real sushi chef. A real man. Dude, 
I'm telling you right now. You are, people, it, it's a wait for like a year, and then when you show up, you don't get to order anything. He give he presents it to you. He sees you and he gives it to you. And people fake and pay, they pay fucking hogs knuckles to all the way through to just be and just experience this. What's the guy's name? Is it the Hero J I R O Hero Dreams of Sushi? That's the guy's name, and like. And he even goes to the the fish market where the the old Tokyo fish market or wherever it is in Japan, and they show you how he picks out the fish, how it's changed now since when he and he's an old man now. And I mean, dude, it's it's a great story on excellence. Like if you want to be on excellence, yeah. All right, that's it. I want to be on excellence. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, there's um. There's a documentary that's uh, this one happens to be on Netflix as well. It is called How to Fix a Drug Scandal. Ooh, okay, I like that. This is in the state of Massachusetts. Yeah, in the uh, the mid two thousands. Okay, okay. Uh, there are two women that both work in two different districts, and they work in the labs that test. The narcotics off of every case that's brought in. Every case. Now we're talking about Boston. We're talking about we're talking about the whole state of Massachusetts. Right. There's two separate labs that conduct all the testing. Right. One of the women becomes a full blown drug addict. And she's doing everything from using on the job to replacing the fucking Coke with fucking baking soda. Baking soda. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes way beyond this. I love it. Okay. The other woman is working with judicial system. Thinks she's a cop. She's not even running tests. Just everybody's positive. Fuck. She believes you can get these people. I think and I wh- read about this in the news. It it was, uh, I think it's one of the biggest in American history. They had to undo so much shit. There was like 30,000 yeah. cases. Yeah. And, and, and guys, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about, as I don't want to give it all away. Yeah, yeah. But you're going to see cases overturned. This is where they have to open up prisons and let people go. Right. This shit was, it is, it's so much deeper than what I've said. It is a government, the the state tries to cover this up. The of feds course. have to come in, into this whole thing. Mm. They don't want to open up this can of worms. <laughs> it is, I think it's three parts. It is really mind boggling. It's a great documentary, man. Has a lot to do. I thought about you the whole time because you know the, it's that part. But the, the big piece of it is these these defense attorneys that go up against the state, man. Right. And they're just getting shafted, right? And they're having to come up with ways to go up to the federal right. level. Right? It's dope, man. And these dudes are like they're like badass defense attorneys. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a great documentary, man. See that it's how to fix a drug scandal. All right, here we go. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's known, but I highly recommend it. It's on iTunes. It's on fucking Amazon, and that is OJ Made in America. Mm, that this documentary goes so deep into OJ's life and psychology that it sheds new light on what it was that he was trying to do and how he wound up in the situation he wound up in. Mm. And the major cornerstone of it is is that uh, from this documentary, uh, and it goes, all, it goes all the way into the trial, and it starts out when O.J. was a kid and who his father was, and that his father was gay. Right. Oh, really? 
OJ's father was gay, according to this documentary, answered the door in a robe with nothing on, and there was a guy naked in the background. Just gives you a just a hint as to even if whether he did or didn't do it, da 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 da. da even the OJ you look at now, which is just kind of like crazy guy, you get a better thing. And it goes through the trial, and it goes prior, and it's got lots of guys. And, dude, some of the attorneys that were on the Dream Team uh, give a little bit of game on, like, what was going on behind the scenes. It's so good. Really? Yeah, it's great. OJ, Made in America, fucking, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant documentary. I need to see it. Yeah, it's good. Okay. Well, hopefully you're going to send me over this list today, too, when I leave here. I got to yeah, take absolutely. all the notes on all this. Um, do you want to switch over to books? I'll give you one last one. Give me one last one. I saw a documentary maybe two years ago on Aaron Hernandez. And I really oh, got to get the full scoop. Right. Uh, and I followed it in the papers. I followed the story closely. So I knew a lot about this case just from reading all the articles on it. Right. Um, then Netflix came out with the documentary. Right. And uh, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. Right. If you're not, if you think you know a little something, you watch some news clippings. I, right. You need to watch this documentary. Right. Because they really, really go deep on the whole entire case. Right. Um, it's it's pretty overwhelming. Um and it's 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 sad in a lot of ways, but it needs to be seen. It's important. It's an important documentary to watch. So, uh, you know, the mind of Aaron Hernandez. Check that out. Netflix. Right. And of course, you know, if you're what I believe supersedes num- all these. The yeah, number yeah. The one, number one. Right. The number one. The number one is. I I, I wait before you say it, before you say it. Yeah. Let me see if I can find something that might remind you. Okay. Does this sound like anything that might be number one? Leaving pieces of history behind. Yeah. L.A. Originals. They take pride in all of that. With Mr. Cartoon and Esteban Oriol. couldn't have done it without these two guys. Their whole story, you guys. Be true to who you are. Right. How they dominated. Right. Just, just, just the art world, Los Angeles, the culture. So go see or get that on and see L.A. Originals. That's our number one pick. Number one pick. Interviews with Esteban Oreo and Mr. Cartoon, of course, but... Kobe Bryant. Kobe, that, you know what? That took me by surprise. I forgot, you know? And so when I saw it, I thought, fuck, dude. Take it back a little bit. That dude's, I mean, he passed away. Yeah, Rest in peace, dude. He's gone. I mean, they got uh, Eminem, M&M, they got Dr. Cent, Dre, Dr. 50 Dre, Cent, yeah. Method, Method Man. Man. They got them all. Yeah, yeah. There isn't anybody that isn't in there. No. Um, and But the one star that they do have that I think is, and don't say anything because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to it right here. Maybe you, maybe our listeners. So I don't know if our listeners really understand or appreciate the level of star quality people that we bring through the show, mm-hmm. right? Like that we just call friends. That we just like muck around with, right? Joke around with, clown, hang out, do whatever, right? We act like they're just whatever, but some of these people are stars on Netflix. One time we were coming to have a meeting here, and Lefty he'd been shooting <laughs> heroin, and we're like, "Great, fucking Lefty's passed out, and the clients are coming, and we're gonna have this big meeting, and there's our, you know, dope fiend friend, 
passed out from shooting too much heroin. You know, he didn't OD, so we didn't have to stick an ice cube up his ass. So <laughs> if you guys want to see what Lepke looked like when he was on heroin, he's all sucked up. Doing dude. burpees. Uh, yeah, he's all sucked up, bro. Brother, that, he looks he, crazy. He goes straight down to San Julian. I didn't think he could be that. He'd live on Skid Row. He goes straight down to Skid Row, bro. It was nothing nice for him. No, we hear him talk about it all the mm-hmm. time. When we were at the Mayfair, he was like, I don't know what I'm like, Sherm. It's what I call hell. Some people call it hell. I call it home, city where I roam. I'm like, dude. And, and then when I see him, I'm like, dude, but that don't even look. Like, you know what he looks like? What? He kind of looks like the lead singer from Mambo Number no. Five. When he sucked up on heroin, he kind of looks like the guy who sings that "A Little Bit of Monica in My Life." <laughs> A little bit. Of I don't Mo- even know who that is. Bro. <laughs> I swear, I'm gonna show him to you. Guy looks just like. Yeah, so you can so watch sucked up too. Lepke. Hey. Oh Mr. Cartoon, I'm, I'm waiting for Lepke to talk because it sounds just like the Lepke we... Here kicking ass. Hey, motherfucker. No, no, we told me hey, you got to go. We're going to have a meeting. Oh, suck a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's Lepke. It was a cool wake-up call. I always think about stuff like that. We're going to get kicked. That sounds just like when yeah, he's on the Lep. show, right? That's Lepke, though. Downtown's always been... Anyway, L.A. Originals. Yes. Netflix. See that. Shit's hot. As soon as possible. Shit's hot. Hot to death. Right. Um, all right. And then uh you wanna you want wait, wait a minute, man. You did an interview in relation to LA Originals, did you? Or Yeah, we're on Ski TV. Okay, so what so what what was that what was that like? What happened? Uh they had us they had a step on a cartoon on. They asked me to join in this interview at Ski TV. Hey, Chris, so what did you say? Oh, just, you know, it was, I was, they were more like, bro, you were the one guy that's been with us from the beginning. You were there for it all, you know? Right. So we want to, we need to have you on, we need to talk. And Here at the Lansing Correction of Upside. They started kind of like reminiscing cartoon the first time we met, Supermax, the very beginning, you know, you know. You know, when Toons didn't have a car and Esteban was the only one with the ride. And How long and was like, the interview? Um, oh, I think their interview was for, they were maybe on for like an hour, hour and a half. Got it. I came on, they called me, I joined in on the interview and I was on for about 20 minutes and then my phone died. <sighs> you know, but it was all good. We got, we got a lot of laughs. They, they just wanted to go way back and they gave me a lot of props on like, you know, they're like, there's one dude that was with us through this whole thing. And right. That was you. And yeah, it was all good, brother. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. Very happy for those guys, man. Dude, I want to talk to Lepke at some point, find out if he's getting hit up because he. he oh, was... yeah, he is. Remember, we were telling him, like, are you ready? Like, are you ready for what's about to happen? He was like, yeah, oh, yeah. It. What do you mean? What are you talking You don't about? believe it. Yeah. That's interesting. But uh, now he is. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of, like, books, what would you recommend to some of our, our listeners? Oh, man. <laughs> What's the best thing you've read in a while? Man, I'm just... Uh, for Well, listen, man. Um, I, you know what? 
you know, I, I right now I'm really stuck on, uh, you know, I love, I really love my my book on Greek philosophy. Oh yes, the okay. little, the little, the little ox, the little Oxford handbook on yes the... is great, and I don't know how many people are are into that. Uh, I certainly am. Um, you know, and I'm constantly reading Conversations with God, right. um, which I love that book by um, Neil Walsh. Right. Um, and right now I'm in that. Paul gave me a book, and that's, I think we might have The Devil of White City. The Devil of White City. One of the, the first serial killer killers. in the United States. Amazing story. Now, World's I, Fair, Chicago World's right, Fair. Right, right, right. Guy was a fucking serial killer. It's fascinating because it's it's a great read because this guy built a house of horrors. Like, <laughs> this guy built a house of horrors. <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy built a house where it was like the Winchester Mystery House with shit, like, you know, stairwells that went into walls and hidden doorways and all that. Except, except. That like in the special rooms, he sealed off the room, and then he had two pipes fitted in, and then he would release uh, poisonous gas. With and then it had a little window, so he could watch people suffocate and like laugh or whatever it was that he did. Uh, and then he would also he had like you know beds with chains on them, and he cut people's feet off while they're alive, and, and like get off on that. And then and he wouldn't allow any like. He wouldn't allow anyone to have the overall plans of the house. So no construction guy knew exactly what the other one was doing. So he would have people working on separate pieces while he was putting together this like house of horrors. And it was right during the Chicago's World's Fair in like 19-something, right? 1909, or I don't remember. But like like around then, right? The first Ferris wheel. Right. First Ferris My wheel. grandfather was there. Get the tells me about it. Yeah, he tells me all about the, the World Fair. Yeah, first Ferris, and that blew people's mind. White City, right? Because they made everything white. But anyway, lots of women disappeared but from they, this fair, and they ne- and they didn't know about serial killers really. Mm. In the Americans, didn't know. It wasn't until like the Pinkerton Detective Agency got involved. But like this weird dentist, <laughs> he was having. And by the time they finally figured it all out, they found. He had installed in this house a hotel. He would let women stay in rent rooms, and then they would go missing. And, oh, he would have fake letters that they'd fallen in love with someone right. in Oregon, you know, and they'd left. And, but they left behind all their belongings, and that didn't quite jive. <laughs> but nobody was able to put it together before he was able to get away with a lot of shit. And they found that he had built in his thing like a furnace that was the same type of furnace that you would use in like a crematorium. <laughs> and so when they finally got they would like go through the ashes and they'd like find like a heel. Right. <laughs> right. Like a right. melted tibia. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, that's an interesting book. That's a good book. That's a good book. That's a good book because on the one hand it's got that like horror aspect to it. And then on the other hand, it spends a great deal of time also talking about the new things that were happening at the World's Fair. And there's a kind of um they don't come right out and say it, but there's a kind of understanding that as the world progresses te- technologically advances in this industrial area, in this other area with 
cars and we're leaving the Wild West and we're moving into this new thing, you're also getting a new kind of villain. Mm. Right? Like that you kinda might not have, might not have had before. Maybe mm. there were but now you're starting to get this other villain. Um uh, that's a good book. Okay. So that's where I'm at right now. All right, so I'm just gonna run down the the basic list of ones that I've recently read because it's impossible for me to say what's the best and blah blah blah. So Pale Rider, which is about the Spanish flu mm-hmm. in 1918, everybody should read that. You read that, you will have such a great grasp of like what a flu epidemic is that mm. you'll understand what's going on today for sure, hundred percent. Also, in the wake of the plague. That's another great book, but that's about the Black Death bubonic plague, which mm-hmm. is a bacteria. Fantastic, though, because a lot of things like Ring Around the Rosie, Pocket Full of Posey, Ashes, Ashes, We All Fall Down, that's all from the Black Plague. That was, that was a children's rhyme designed in the Black Plague to talk about how you died and what you would do when the body died. So it's interesting. Can't Hurt Me, uh, David Goggins. Yeah. Great book, man. You want to get inspired? You want to be in beast mode? David Goggins. Um, the autobiography of Gucci Mane. I don't think it's that good, but I just wanted to hear what the fuck he had to say. Mm. A lot of scissor. A lot of scissor. He's drinking a lot of syrup and going nuts with a gun. Mm. But it's interesting. Um, highly recommend. This is not a t-shirt. Bobby Hundreds. Yeah. Right? Uh, Labyrinth. About the Biggie Tupac murders. Right, and right, everything right, that we right, talked right, about. Right. And... Uh, Inside Out, the Demi Moore biography. Demi Moore biography. I always thought Demi Moore was hot. She's hot, and this book is fantastic. She talks about her ups and downs. She had a weight problem her whole life. She's been dealing with a weight problem. And one of the most interesting things I found out about Demi Moore was that when she was a kid running around with her brother, one of her favorite tricks, and she says this in the book, was she would fart in a cupped hand and put it on his mouth. Damn. That's crazy. (laughs) Demi Moore. Farting Demi in her Moore. hand and putting it on her brother's face. Demi Moore, if you're listening, give me a call. Uh, Blowout, uh, Rachel Maddow. Uh, that's a great book. It's a book that's about the oil industry. Okay. And explains Exxon and oil's relationship to Trump, Russia. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it goes in and you start to really understand the shale industry the oil thing, and it makes sense now, you, you'd have the background as to why Russia and Saudi Arabia are now duking it out on oil prices. Um, let's see. Uh, Mind Hunter. Excellent book written by the guy. By the way, that's a great series on Netflix. Is it attached? Are they part of the same thing? Yes. Okay. Mind Hunter, the series is acting. I keep on hearing about it. It's fantastic. It's about the development of the psychological forensic program in the FBI. So you go back to before they had that. And then the guys who started pioneering it and you watch the FBI like upper echelon like think it's stupid. Like what do you mean? You're going to type will you want to interview serial killers? What are you a sick fuck? You know all that shit. But they start finding out common traits. You it dude it's worth it just to watch uh, the co-ed killer. Like, it's just interesting to watch these guys and their different takes on. And you find out that a lot of these serial killers, it's a really family shit. Is really what's being worked out in these murders. Family shit. But the Mindhunter book is actually by the real guy. And he goes through and he explains how the process is done. He explains step by step, like, okay, what's, what's, what's a sociopath versus, versus a psychopath? 
what 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 causes these guys and he also goes through like the different clues and how they caught like the co-ed kill how did they find him and you know they found him after he'd cut his own mom's head off right and then what the what he says is that in actuality the co-ed killer had only killed these women in preparation for the big one which was he always wanted to just kill his mom but he practiced on these other women before that's a great one captured which is about um white people captured by indians and then they live with indians fucking fantastic wow you get a real inside view of what it was like the the good the good the bad the ugly mm-hmm. um uh uh, some of these are like really long ass fucking chaos. We already talked about it on yeah. this, right? Uh, let's see. The original story of Freeway Rick Ross, not the musician, but the right. drug dealer. That's an interesting, the real Rick Ross. The real Rick Ross. That's a great one. Um, a fiction book. Man, I'm gonna throw it out there. I don't mm. know if our audience gonna like it, but Killing Commendatore. This book is written by a Japanese author um, who's really, really, really a great writer. An excellent writer. Like, just brilliant. And um, it's fiction, and it's weird. It's a weird book, but it makes sense. But I'm just saying it's it's weird. You just got to go with it. But some of the descriptions and some of the story and the way that it rolls out, it's fantastic. And if you want to expose yourself to something different, like a Japanese author and in Japan, it's all in English, but you get a side of Japan and you get a sense of Japan that you wouldn't normally have. I would, re- I would recommend that. And then a billion other ones. I don't know. Okay. But I that, think that's good for now. Yeah. But, and anything by Stephen King, I'm just going to say it. I'm, a, I'm an educated dude, but Stephen King is a great writer, worth, worth reading. Um, the Outsider was really good. Mr. BMW, Mr. Mercedes, excuse me. Mr. Mercedes was actually very good, which is one of his recent ones, and The Institute, which I read. That was also very good. All right, there we go. Man, literary, li- liter- literary uh, professor over here, this it's guy. This is what it is, man. I'm trying he to put, reads. I'm trying to put as much shit in my brain as possible. He reads. So, excellent, man. Um, what kind of uh, tips do you have for people at home during all this what are some healthy foods and some healthy habits they can do as far as food consumption dude as far as diet if they're looking in the mirror and they're like i'm blowing up day by day okay well i'm gonna tell you straight up and i say this every time and and it's true for me every time if you're not counting your fucking calories and you're blowing up you need to be counting your calories Because it's a lot easier to blow up when you don't know how much you've eaten. When like any time that I'm like, you know what, today I'm not gonna worry about it. I've been good for a month. That's the day I overeat. And listen, it's as easy as you guys. You got Google. You got a phone. You Google what you want to eat. Right. What is the what's the calorie count on two eggs? What's the calorie count for this? Right. Calorie count for ten. Crackers. What's the calorie count for a bowl of this with that vitamin D milk? Whatever it is that your get down is, you know, and for average person. Right. Average person. Right. You'd like to be somewhere around, would you say, 2,000? 2,000. Simple as 2,000 calories. 2,000. If you're a woman, probably like 1,800. And you want to get out of the house, even if you're not a big exercise person, you want it. The very least you can do is get out of the house. 
and take a walk. And 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 listen, I want to tell you something else. Don't be cheap. If you if you need to walk and you don't have like a decent set of Bluetooth headphones or something, don't be cheap. Get the headphones. It's worth it. 50 bucks, 75 bucks is worth it in the long run because it's a lot easier to go for a walk if you can listen to a Netflix documentary. Mm-hmm. If you or go an audio book. An audio book. Sure. Right, exactly. That's what I do. Listen, it's going to fill your brain up with some new information. Right. The walk is going to get you outside. You breathe some fresh air. Right. It's going to break up your day. Right. So, you know, and I, and, and I think me and Chumahan both stand on that. You treat your body well. You put good things into it. Yeah. You get proper sleep. You get proper exercise. You put in a good hard day's work. Right. And and it's going to break up the monotony, man. And you'll get lost in you and get your fucking mind off of what the hell else is happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I would even suggest, um, and I'm not, I don't need a bunch of exercise apps, but I would suggest if you're going to walk and you're going to look at your diet, then... Find out, you know, if you're on uh, Android, Google Fit, whatever, and just record. No, listen, if you're not, if you, if it can't be measured, if you're not measuring it, then you don't know what's happening. There's no way to be successful on anything, whether it's business, money, whatever. If you don't know what's going in and going out, you will never even in the anonymous program, you got to take an inventory. Right. So if you don't know what's coming in and coming out and you're doing everything by rule of thumb, I mean, look, if you're naturally thin, whatever. I don't know what to tell you. Right? But if you're anything like me, right? if you're not keeping an eye on it so that you're conscious, like, okay, if I eat that, I'm over. I'm going to be putting on some 3,500 calories for every pound of human fat. Simple as that. 2000 for a guy, 1800 for a woman generally. Right? I'm not a doctor, so, you know, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. But if you consistently eat 2000 or you eat over 2200, but your walk burned up 200, so long as you're still hitting that 2000, you're going to stay where you're at weight-wise, which may be where you want to be at. Right. If you want to lose a little weight, you eat a little under. It's math, you guys. Serious. Simple mathematics. Serious. And so if you want to lose a pound of fat, not a pound of water, not a pound of muscle, if you want to lose a pound of fat, you just got to know that it's 3,500 calories. So if you eat, you know, 200 calories less, which is easily doable without much pain at all, 200 calories plus a 200-calorie walk, right? That's 400 calories. If you do that, in eight days, that's one pound of fat. Or nine days, sorry. Nine days. That's about one pound of fat. 36. 3,500. So that's that's as simple as it is. And, and it's simple, but it ain't easy. That's right. <laughs> so I'm telling you, get some, uh, some uh, fresh live food, you know? Try and eat some vegetables. If you can, people, close your eyes, man, even if it's for two minutes. Close your eyes and be grateful that you woke up or be grateful that you're going to sleep, whatever it might be. Yeah. Take a second to close your eyes, man. I'm reading about this POW in Vietnam right now. 
This guy's got to sleep, and he's got, like, he's not even injured, but he's got fucking, oh, man, I want to do a show on POWs. This guy's got fucking fungal, like, Vietnamese ringworm from his balls all the way up to his neck, and he's sleeping on mud floor, and he, it's itching like crazy but he knows if, but every time he scratches it more of the fungus comes out spreads around his body and the Vietnamese aren't like giving him any medicine every night like I've been reading that book and when I go to bed at night and I'm on my mattress mm, and it's you're dry grateful. oh yeah. I'm like Jesus Christ yeah, this yeah. is beautiful see? see for real well partner yeah I hope that we said something or shared something with you that's going to make it easier for you to keep your beast mode going. Yeah. To stay driven. Right. Stay productive. Stay inspired. You know? uh, Through these changing times. Yeah. And uh, if nothing less, we will be the living example for you guys. Dude, every every time. Living example and we're going to be the rallying cry. Like, you can turn to us every single time. Just know this. You can turn to us every single time, and we will not let you. We will be fucking keeping on, keeping on. And all of our listeners who are loyal, mm-hmm. you, uh, we love your messages. Yes. We appreciate the things that you send Hell us. Hell yeah. Don't forget to get your goddamn t-shirt. Get a t-shirt. <laughs> They're only 24 bucks. Easy, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And what do we usually say around this time? Hasta la vista. Adios and ciao from the Hard Luck Show. Ciao.